This week on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm talking about how to turn sex from work back into fun. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And this week I wanted to talk to you about a topic that we've been discussing in my women's circle the last couple of weeks. I also wrote a piece about it that you can see on my website, and that is when did sex turn from fun into work? And how can we turn it back into fun? So this is such a big topic. Uh, most of you know I'm 54 and I work completely 100% of the time in the field of midlife wellness, particularly in sexual wellness. And I did a study a few years back that led to my book, Sexually Woke, that asked these uh, really intimate questions. And one of the things that I found and I experienced myself was that at, at some point, sex was fun, right? Uh, for most of us. I mean, there were exceptions, obviously. Everyone has a different relationship with sex. But for many or most of us, uh, when we were younger, we're still young, right? When we were younger, sex was something that was fun. We would do it rather than do other things. We'd rather stay up late or rather get up early to have sex. It was something that we chose to do. It was one of the things we loved to do generally regarded as fun, right? I don't know if that sounds familiar, but that was the way it was for me. And most of the people that I interviewed for my study felt some version of the same thing. Um, and then we got a little older, we had children. And then sometime after that, which is frequently in our late 30s, 40s and onward, sex changed from being something fun and turned into something that felt like work. And if this sounds familiar to you, I want to let you know you are in such a huge majority of women. In fact, in the study that I did, 93% of women had some version of feeling like this. So only 7% didn't, which means if you feel like sex is work and that feels like, oh, seriously, I just got in bed and you want me to do one more thing. Maybe you don't say that out loud, most likely, but that's what's going on in your head. Like, oh, really? It feels like work. It's another thing on our list of things to do. And many of us do it because we want to be, you know, in quotation marks, a good wife or a good whatever, whatever it is that we have learned that we should be. But we're not giving what I call a full body yes. By full body yes, it's like, yeah, like, yes, like, and one of the ways that I measured that was with whether or not we initiate sex. It's really hard to measure libido, but in the study that I did, we measured it by asking whether you initiate sex because if we initiate sex, we're usually giving a full body, yes, we want it. We're going after it. It's something we want to do. And many or most of us, in fact, 93% in the 45 to 55-year-old age group that I studied did not feel that way. We might consent, but it was what I call a half-ass consent, where it's like, okay, okay, I guess, um, but make it quick and, you know, that, that kind of thing, which isn't the same as uh, someone who's fully engaged. And that can be a really slippery slope. Uh, many of us, including myself, have felt that's not even really consent. And even though we're participating, we're not fully present, and we'd rather be doing something else. And so that being said, if you feel that way, you're normal, if normal means that's what most people have. 
But as I often say, I differentiate between what's normal and what's optimal because most of us are functioning in many ways in a way that is normal because that's what most people have. Most people are obese. Most people are a lot of things, but that doesn't mean it's optimal, right? So most women aged 40 and older have a dwindling relationship with their own sexuality and most women over 40 uh, specifically 45 to 65 that was a group I studied by far the majority of that group do not give a full body yes to sex so that is sad I think and I've been there myself um, what happens when we feel that way in my experience and talking to thousands of patients is we rationalize it because there's so many reasons for that, right? Like we're tired and we've got lots of kids and we've got a job and we've got all these things to do. So there's lots and lots of reasons that could explain that away. And we don't want to talk about it. Uh, It's a big elephant in the room. And so elephants in the room, uh, when we're dealing with intimate relationships, create disconnection, to say the least. Um, We're not fully present for each other. Uh, If we're in a partnership, uh, it can lead to all kinds of problems. Uh, Many of you know that divorce rate goes up uh, around age 50. Several studies have showed that women aged 45 to 55 are the most unhappy of of their lives. So all of these are things that are really pertinent to think about. So that sounds depressing, but I want to tell you that there is another way of looking at this. And for anybody, if you're in this situation, it is possible to shift out of it. Uh, That happened to me. It happens to my patients all the time that we can shift out of this place of feeling like sex is just another damn thing to do on the list to being something that really is joyful again, that you would rather do than other things, that you would stay up late to do, that you would be late to work to do, that you would have fun again around And that is possible. And as much as we might rationalize that it's fine, I don't really care. I've heard this a million times. I said it myself. I don't really care. It's fine. I don't care if I don't have sex. You know, if my husband's penis fell off, I'd be fine with that. I used to actually say that because we we rationalize. It's painful to think about. Nobody wants to admit. I didn't, anyway, want to admit that I had lost a big part of myself which was my sexual being. And deep, deep down, I really wanted to get it back, but I just didn't know how, and I didn't think it was possible. So we rationalize, and we sort of blow it off, and we put our hands over our ears, and we don't want to talk about it. But you know, when we do get into settings like my women's circle and, of course, in my office where we talk about this, we're often feeling the same kind of things. So number one, uh, really great to not feel alone. Um, This isn't something most likely you talk about with your friends because my experience is that when we feel like something's wrong with me, like maybe I'm the only one, I I don't want to tell anyone about it because I feel like something's wrong with me and I really don't even want to think about it because it's too painful. So I I really don't want to bring it up. But when we do bring it up and find out that we're not alone, that's when we can get the information that we need to be able to make it better so we can have joyful, intimate lives again, because it is important. Um, If you're in a relationship or even if you're not, as a single person, having a really deep connection with your sexual being is part of who you are. 
it is it's part of who we are. It doesn't matter what age you are. So first of all, why does this happen? Um, so, you know, I told you I did a study and I'm a doctor and all that's what it is. But I, I wanted to know why does this happen? And so oh, some of the things are obvious, right? We we do get busy. We get bored with our partners. We get lazy. We take things for granted. All of these things happen. Uh, we stop devoting time and energy to our relationships because we're devoting it all to our kids and other things. Um, and so that's sort of something to think about and be aware of. Uh, w- one of the huge things that happens is hormonal change. So I always start with that one because it's so huge. Uh, you know, right around the same time that we lose interest in sex very frequently is when our hormones are changing. And there's absolutely no question that hormonal change affects our libido and desire for sex. Uh, coming back to when we were uh, less evolved animals, it wouldn't make any sense to have sex when we're not fertile because it would be a waste of energy. So when we're cave people, you know, millions of years ago, it would have made a lot of sense to stop wanting to have sex when we couldn't procreate because what's the point, right? And We've evolved past that, but we still have that old part of our brain that's sending us messages that we have to recognize are there. We don't have to. We we might benefit from recognizing that they're there and then realizing that we're not cave people anymore and that sex is not just for procreation anymore. Of course, it's uh, for pleasure, connection, all kinds of wonderful, juicy things that are way beyond what animals experience, yet we still have this part of our animal brain that's sort of saying, well, you're not fertile anymore, so let's not have sex anymore. So we all know by now, if you've listened to anything I've talked about, that our hormones change. And one of the things that changes as our fertility declines is that our testosterone drops. And testosterone drops for men and women throughout our lives. Um, And testosterone is one of the primary hormones that drives our libido. So there's countless studies that show that supplementing testosterone is really helpful for what's called hypoactive sexual desire. That's just a fancy name for not wanting it anymore. Uh, So that's a huge thing. But other than hormones, uh, the two things that showed up in the study that I did, and you might have heard me talk about this with Mary Jo Rapini on some of the podcasts we've done before. She's a fantastic sex therapist here in Houston. She and I both noticed this in our practices that the two other major things that seem to drive libido for women are uh, discomfort with our bodies. So in some way feeling that the changes that are happening in our bodies, which very commonly are, are around weight, and then other aspects of aging, like, you know, the stuff that happens, uh, wrinkly skin, graying hair, changing body shape. As our bodies change, we don't often feel comfortable with that. And that limits our desire to want to be physically close to another person. We might want the lights out. We might want to be wearing a brow all the time because our boobs are saggy. We might want to just be in the dark. We don't want to be seen. And that makes sense if we feel uncomfortable with our physical body. So that's number two. Number one being hormones. Number two being body image issues, body image concerns. And the third one is resentment. And we've talked about this before, but resentment, I just sort of put in a big bucket of all the different ways that we're not telling our truth. And then what comes out of that is feeling 
angry, hurt, oh, abandoned, alone, all of the things that happen when we're not telling our truth. So I always like to take responsibility for that when I'm not telling the truth. But as a result of not telling the truth, the other person isn't understanding me well, and I have resentment because they're not reading my mind. They can't tell how I'm feeling. And so I have a picture in my mind of a couple lying in bed, kind of with their backs to each other, and each person's thinking something totally different than the other, but some form of, I wish that you would understand such and such. And having been divorced, and many of, I'll just say 50% of you have, because 50% of marriages end in divorce, so many of you know, that's a very common reason to disconnect, just that sense of resentment. So if I feel resentful, meaning I there's some way that I'm not being understood, which I take responsibility for because there's some way that I did not communicate that, or perhaps I tried and it wasn't received in the manner that I wanted, but there's an elephant in the room. So resentment is some sort of elephant in the room. I don't want to connect with someone I have resentment towards. Uh, I certainly don't want their hands on my body. I don't want to have that really open, intimate experience with them. So that is a huge factor for uh, couples, and it's something to look at. So how do we turn sex from work back into fun? That's that's what I'm talking about today. Well, again, just to reiterate, you can do it. I did it. I've said many times I had probably more than 10 years where I could not care less about sex. It was something that I'd never thought about. I would rather not do it. I'd rather do a lot of other things. I might consent to it sometimes, but it was what I call a half-assed consent, like, oh God, is it Saturday again? I guess just make it quick. That isn't what the joyful, intimate sexual experience can be at its best, as we know, because many of us have experienced it and then lost connection with that experience as we've been in a long-term relationship or even if we're single. So how do we make it better? So just going back to those three things, if we think about, and there's more than three, but I'm making this very simple. If we think about hormonal issues, body image issues, and resentment, and there's a lot more things. Of course, we could talk about working through sexual trauma and all kinds of other things. It's a huge subject, and I don't in any way mean to simplify it beyond what might be relevant for you, but just for the point of having a you know high-level conversation about this topic— First, number one, we really need to look at our hormonal status. And depending on our age, that could be in any state from being completely uh, normal ovulatory function for someone who's, say, under 40 to being perimenopausal, meaning our hormones are still being produced, but not in the quantities that they used to be and not in the same balance. So that for an average person might be kind of 40 to 50, but tons of variation from that. And then being postmenopausal, where those hormones, the three hormones that we know about, estradiol, progesterone, testosterone, drop to levels that can be zero or close to zero. So depending where we are in that spectrum and our age, um, something different might be recommended as far as uh, optimizing hormone, hormone balance. But that is something absolutely that I don't personally think you can get past. Um, I know very few women who have, for example, menopausal range hormones. In fact, I'm thinking right now, and I see thousands of patients, thinking right now if I can think of anybody, and, and I can't think of one single patient who has menopausal range hormones who 
thinks sex is fun because it's not. I mean, first of all, you don't want to because you have no desire. And secondly, it hurts because you have vaginal dryness and the tissue's thinner. And so, you know, if you don't want to do something because you've got no drive and then it hurts, I mean, that's not something that's going to be fun. Let's just face it. So depending on where you are in that spectrum, uh, hormonal optimization will look different. So those are things that you can talk to me or uh, whatever hormone specialist that you like to see. Someone who understands bioidentical hormone replacement and how that can affect our libido and the, the critical hormones, uh, obviously testosterone we talked about, that is very largely related to sex drive or just that desire to have sex, you know, waking up thinking about it or thinking about it during the day. Very unusual that that happens when our testosterone zero, in my experience. And then as we get older, uh, talking about vaginal dryness and pain, which is a different issue, but very, very important uh, to address that, um, that's related to estrogen. So, you know, without estrogen, we get vaginal dryness, we get pain, and that's going to make sex not fun. So going back to how to make sex fun again, we've got to optimize those hormones so that we get rid of pain. We re-engage the desire. So that's great, right? Let's just say we did that. So now we've got sex drive again. We are interested in sex. We, we think about it. Um, it's not painful because we've got good vaginal moisture and the tissue's nice and healthy. Well, what if we have issues with our body image? We hate ourselves in some way. We don't accept our bodies we don't like. Our tummy's getting bigger around the middle, our skin's sagging, we don't want to be seen, or we have resentment towards our partner. I say a lot, and I'll say again, like you can have the, the fanciest hormones and the most beautiful vagina, but if your mind isn't into it, it's not going to be worth anything. So the first part, the hormonal balance without the second two is, you know, what happens, and there's been studies that prove this, it's not going to make you have more sex. You might masturbate more, which is fun, but you won't want to have sex with your partner because we've still got to deal with those other two issues. So body image issues, how, how do we deal with that? And that's a massive topic. And it would be easy to say, well, just learn to love yourself as you are. And I wish that for all of us. And until we're all enlightened, that's going to be tricky. So some of the realities of uh, gaining weight around the middle, you know, we've talked about on various podcasts, like why do we get fat around menopause? And I talked to uh, Dr. Rupal Mather a couple of weeks ago about uh, weight gain around perimenopause. These are things that we need to address to feel good about ourselves. Understanding that, first of all, accepting that this is common and just vocalizing that with ourselves and our partners, like I it's, I don't feel good about myself right now. I don't want to sit on top because my tummy looks funny or my breasts look weird, or I don't feel comfortable because my vagina feels too loose because I've had three kids. Sometimes just saying that out loud will take its power away. And many of you have read um, Brene Brown's work. She's a Houstonian and has written many, many fabulous books and most of you know her already, but if you don't, uh, she was one of the first people or the first person to really cast light on the idea that speaking shame out loud causes it to lose its power. And when I first read that, I've been a follower of her for many, many years. I put that into practice and it really does work. Just saying that out loud 
to ourselves and our partners really dispels the power. So if there's something about yourself that you feel ashamed about, shame can only exist in the dark. And I'm quoting Brene Brown. It, it cannot exist in the light. So just talking about it can help. And then, of course, putting into practice whatever we need to do to help to make ourselves healthier. It could be weight loss or it could be changing our bodies in ways that make us feel happier. Everyone has a right to do that. So it sounds easy, right? But that's not easy. That's hard. So the first thing we need to do is talk about it. And then on the third point, resentment, you know, resentment's a little bit like shame. I think it disappears when we talk about it. We have to clear up our resentment if we want to have healthy relationships and healthy intimacy. And we're talking about how to make sex into fun. We've got to clear up the resentment and as hard as it is, uh, we just have to speak that out loud. You know, if there's something that you're holding on to that you're just pissed off about that he or she did two weeks ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, we all know that holding on to anger and resentment doesn't hurt anybody except ourselves. So if we want to make it better, you know, I just often ask myself, like, what do I have to lose? You know, if I speak my truth out loud and it really is my truth, and I do it in a kind way. You know, we don't want to be reactive. We don't want to do it in the middle of a fight. We don't want to do it when the other person's not emotionally available. But if I speak my truth out loud, very likely it's going to be well-received. You know, and if it isn't, then that might be a relationship that needs to be thought through, you know, because uh, if someone doesn't want to hear my truth, then that might not be somebody that I want to spend my precious life with. And so, these are hard things to do because uh, it's a lot of change. But I would just throw out there that you deserve to have healthy, intimate relationships. You deserve to have uh, sex be fun again. And we can turn it back into fun. So we're just scratching the surface of a huge topic here. But uh, my point is I want everyone to know that sex can turn back into fun. It was fun at one point, I, I hope for you. I hope for you that it was. Because it can be. I mean, it's such a source of connection, and pleasure, and wonderful hormones, oxytocin, dopamine, uh, all the things that make us feel good. Um, there's a lot of studies showing that sex with yourself or another person doesn't even require a partner. Actually lowers blood pressure, reduces stress. I mean, it's physically good for you. It's emotionally good for you. We want to have that as part of our lives. I want to. And I want it for you, too. And so we've got to jump over these barriers and just recognize, yes, I've, my hormones could be an issue. Let's look at how I feel about my body and speaking that shame out loud if we have it, doing what we need to do to make that go away, so to speak, so that we don't have shame around our body. And then clearing up resentment, which is possibly the hardest one, uh, but it's brave. And I always say someone has to go first. It's usually the female, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, someone has to go first. And what do you have to lose? You know, if there's something you're holding on to, we've just got to speak it out loud and hopefully it's well received. And if it's not, well, sometimes we need to move on. And I promise you, sex can turn from fun to work and back into fun. So if I can help you with that, you know how to reach me at completemidlifewellnesscenter.com. It's good to talk to you, and I will see you next week. 